okay, so I'm a little bit sick and other people are a little bit sick and it's not the COVID. It's just the sickness and the mucus and the tiredness and the brain ache and the body ache. Um, so I'm going to read The Book for People Who Do Too Much by Bradley Trevor Grieve. And it's pretty much a picture book. So I'll describe a bit of the pictures. There's a chicken on the front, and the chicken has a little trolley just hooked over its tail, like a little cart with four wheels that you'd see on the back of a bike, and it's full of eggs. Chicken's clearly doing too much. So this guy that wrote the book, I think he got quite sick and had to go to hospital or something, and uh, he wrote this book. In the beginning, the fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. Achillichos, 700 BC. Anyway, the book is for the hedgehogs. Um, he, uh, he acknowledges that he always tried to do too much until a run of delightfully dramatic accidents had made him laced into revealing hospital pyjamas for quite some time. Huh? Anyway, I guess he's in hospital for a while. And he learned a valuable lesson or two from the painful experience with excessive endeavour. And he's grateful for the tremendous support that made it possible for him to share some important insights with this little amusing book, which he hopes will entertain and enlighten you. It says he did a lot of different drafts. Uh, he completed <clears throat> them while he was still heavily sedated. Um, and he had a few editors and people helping him and, uh, the book, so he does acknowledge here, the book for people who do too much relies heavily on outstanding photographs and that if you want to see the photographs, you can go to www.btgstudios.com for the creator's updated contact information. Um, anyway, so... It seems like only yesterday when my esteemed literary agent, Albert J. Zuckerman of Writer's House, New York, sat on the edge of my hospital bed offering me timeless wisdom and considerable cheer. One of the gems he offered up was an inspiring story about a lean... a lean literary... about the lean literary times during the late 50s and early 60s when AI turned Hollywood in... no, when Al turned to Hollywood to keep his fortunes afloat. Luckily, the tanned, muscled torso he had won from years of heavy excavation in Sudan snared him the role of Kirk Douglas's body double in Spartacus the minute he stepped into Universal Studios. So I'm a bit sick too, so I'm uh, struggling with the reading. Might have to just go with that. Keen to make the most of his break, Al snuck back into the casting session again and again until he had secured similar honours for Laurence Olivier, Peter Ustinov and Svelte Tony Curtis. Thus, in the course of one day's shooting, he was forced to gain or shed up to 80 pounds, sometimes in the same scene. When principal photography finally wrapped, Al was barely breathing and had developed a pathological fear of sandals. He crawled away to New York, vowing never to put himself through such an ordeal again. Bradley, my boy, he advised as I lay wreathed in abrasive hospital linen and intrusive post-operative tubes. 
I believe we were put on this earth to do a lot less than we think. Truer words were never spoken. So that's the acknowledgements anyway, a bit of the book I thought I should read it. So page one, we've got a really cute little wallaby and it's a baby wallaby with its tongue poking out and it's kind of like sort of hunching, a bit hunching. And the text says, Do you feel pooped? Do you occasionally get piercing headaches behind your right eye? And here we have a bear, it's a brown bear, and it's holding its paw over its eyes, heads down, and it looks like it's got a bit of a pain going there behind its right eye. Do you bore your friends to death by going on and on about how much work you have to do? And here we have a, a little dog, kind of like a corgi cross something, and it's got bluish looking eyes with black mascara and it's so rolling its eyes looking up with disdain or something have you been so rushed and run down that your personal grooming and general appearance have deteriorated and here we have a picture of I think it's a sloth it's a very cute looking sloth with very scruffy hair all over its body and back and head and it's a big very slothy thing. Um, to the point where your friends politely avert their eyes when you enter the room. And here we have three dogs turning their heads away. I shall not listen anymore. I shall not. Next page. <clears throat> the good news is there are only two possible explanations for these alarming symptoms. You have contracted a horrific mystery disease for which there is no possible cure. And this picture has a walrus laying face down in the sand, and it's... No, it's not. It's a hippopotamus. Baby hippo. And its tongue's hanging out, and it's just buggered. It's broken. Or, and this is only marginally better, you're one of those people who, simply, who is simply doing way too much. There's a cute little border collie kind of a dog with both its paws on a pole and its head under the pole, like it's trying to hide. Doing too much has always been a serious problem. It's no coincidence that most heart attacks occur at 9am on a Monday morning. Brackets. So much for the masochistic maximum hard work never killed anyone. Close brackets. Excessive endeavour has also been known to cause premature hair loss. And here we have a little gorilla baby just a little bit baldy, but I think it's baby baldness. And commonly induces explosive ingestion along with other painful disorders that prevent and suffer, that prevent the sufferer from sitting cross-legged or wearing fashionable vinyl, <laughs> vinyl pants. Uh, it's like a puffer fish with a blown up, maybe it's a goldfish, blown up cheeks, explosive indigestion, and painful disorders. It's definitely not crossing its legs because it ain't got any. Or wearing vinyl pants. Some highly motivated people are question of questionable intelligence deliberately do too much, but most of us gradually end up in this situation even without even knowing how we got here. This is going to take a really long time to read the book like this, like hours. Um, it's like a snail, slow snail. And sitting on the snail's shell is a little frog. One day, 
No matter how hard you try, you can't get through everything you wanted to accomplish without working well into the night. The fact is that even the most polite, unassuming, timid little creature can, after a few nights without adequate sleep, become an absolute monster. You have a cute little froggy from the side and then it's a big toad on the next page. Little things soon start to drive you crazy. And you suddenly turn on people who don't deserve it. So the driving you crazy is like a gorilla and he's got an itch behind his ear and he looks very frustrated and his lips are puckered and he's like, ooh, this can't quite reach it. And then there's a rabbit chasing after a chicken and it's going to bite the chicken on the bum. The chicken probably did do something to deserve it though, I would imagine. Simple tasks get way out of hand as mix-ups and mess-ups start to multiply. It becomes a huge mental struggle to haul yourself through the, to the weekend. Looking forward to nothing more than just collapsing in a heap, too tired to dream. There's a dog on its back with its belly up and the fan blowing cold air on its belly. When we do run headlong slam-bang into the invisible barrier that is a genuine exhaustion of body and soul, the smart thing to do is stop and revive. However, some folk will try in any quick fix available to keep on trucking. Most start with a refreshing beverage loaded with sugar or caffeine, or more for the more discerning palate a cup of expensive herbal tea. When the short-term value of these pick-me-ups is fully spent, they may try alternative remedies such as invigorating scalp massage. There's like a cat with its head in the mug licking the last bits of tea and a vigorous head massage from some kind of a monkey type creature, baboon perhaps, scratching the baby's head and the baby looks very excited. Or you may have an extreme jacuzzi, an eye-watering pungent pungent aromatherapy. As fatigue increases, newer and more powerful kickstarts will be required to maintain forward momentum. Some desperate individuals even turn to medicinal supplements, legal and otherwise, to, to fire up their failing systems. We have a cat with a spoonful of sugar. Let's go and eat it. This actually works wonders through the effect Though the, although the effects can best be described as the lights are on, but nobody's home. Exotic pills and potions may relieve your, desire for, relieve your desire for rest, but they will not remove your genuine need for rest. The battle that rages within can seriously scramble your brain. And in extreme cases, your head will explode. Uh, there's a picture of a penguin and it's got no head, but I don't think it's exploded. It's just visually looks like it's got no head. Fascinating though such oddly destructive behaviour is, more interesting still is the fundamental question behind it all. Why do people do too much? We have another gorilla type creature monkey pondering with his hand on his chin. Why do they do too much? The obvious answer is because there's so much to do. If you haven't noticed there's a lot going on in the modern world. In the midst of it all, we are driven by a few typically human motivations. For starters, we all want to live well. It's only natural to desire some of the, f the finer things in our life for ourselves and those we care about. 
there's a labradoodle or a groodle or something sitting up at a table with wine and grapes and candles and all manner of tasties. Popo eggs. We also want to leave our mark on the world. We want to know that our life matters, that we make a difference somehow. Perhaps the most powerful motivation is that we want to be liked for who we truly are. In fact, whether we admit it or not, being liked is incredibly important to just about everybody. There's some cute little penguins giving each other a kiss. Thus, even if someone wants us to do something that seriously puts our nose out of joint, most of the time we just offer a painfully weak smile and mumble, of course, I'd be delighted. Before you know it, you're knee-deep in someone else's dirty laundry. There's a little dog with his head poking out the uh, washing machine over the basket. You're babysitting the third weekend in a row. And you've become a 24-hour taxi service for family, friends, colleagues and neighbours. We know in our hearts that the greatest reward in life comes from giving the greatest service to the greatest number of people. We also know that if we don't get a move on, we will soon be left behind. If that happens, we won't be able to provide our loved ones with much of anything. There's little turtles scampering across sand and cute little images. Together these somewhat conflicting attitudes drive us to get to the front of the line and stay there by whatever means necessary. Day in, day out, we tirelessly sniff out opportunities to get ahead scrambling into position to claim what's ours. And then it happens. Suddenly, you're at the right place at the right time and it pays off in a big way. Or does it? Failure plays a part in every great success story, but not everyone can appreciate this. This has an image of a cat that a fish was falling into its lap and it's like, yeah, I'm going to catch that fish. And then all of a sudden, yeah, the fish slipped out of its hands, it's gone. Uh, foremost on our minds is the humiliation of defeat. No one wants to look like a loser. It's like a cougar or a big cat with a mud face, like he must have tried to catch something and he missed. The pressure is then increased to not only work to keep... The pressure is then increased to not only keep our eye on the ball at all times, which is stressful enough. But we also want to look successful, no matter what. Keeping up appearances can easily become an exhausting full-time job in itself. There's some more penguins there. Emperor penguins looking rather regal, very upright and very proper. Once you become obsessed with superficial symbol of success, you tend to need more and more of them. The world soon becomes a giant mail-order catalogue. I want a bigger house filled with the newest new things and the oldest antiques. To get this stuff, you must obey the creepy inner voice that says, work harder, work longer, do more, earn more, have more, be more. Pretty soon you're eating high energy snacks on the run. Sitting down for meals becomes a thing of the past. There's a monkey eating noodles there on the run, standing up. <laughs> There's now a uh, poodly groodle with a kind of a hairdresser cape on, sitting under one of those thingy-bobs that... It's got perm things in its hair, like it's getting its hair done in a salon. 
You think about your responsibilities, schedules and objectives constantly. In fact, you can't, can't stop thinking about them no matter how hard you try. Even when you finally fall asleep, your mind keeps turning over and over and over. We have a rat in a cage, not in a cage, so it's a run around. Uh, that run thing that you put in their cages that they go round around circles. Um, you know that a system that rewards committed self-destruction will eventually chew you up and spit you out. But you still won't slow down because you are absolutely certain that if you take your foot off the accelerator for even a moment, everything and everyone around you will immediately grind to a halt. There's a whole lot of husky dogs just on their leads laying in the snow stopped. To make matters worse, the competition is always right on your tail and drawing closer by the minute. You'll have to lift your knees rather rapidly if you want to keep a safe distance. Hang on. You'll have to lift your knees rather rapidly if you want to keep them at a safe distance behind you. The competition, that is. We're running penguins now. Not seen that before. It's enough to make you attempt the impossible, which, believe it or not, actually turns out to be possible. Before you know it, you're going down in the worst way. You're overwhelmed and you know it. At this point, you'll notice two distinctly different attitudes among among those around you. Some people will rub their greasy little mittens together with glee. Your demise represents an exciting opportunity for them. Your true friends sense an opportunity too, a chance to finally say, whoa, slow down, take a breather, decide what your health and happiness are really worth. A few people listen to this and change for the better, but most don't. Some even feel angry with their friends and family for trying to help. They feel they're being held back, and if they could just be left alone to get the job done, it would be a whole lot better for all concerned. <coughs> Our admiration of heroic individual endeavour is based on some pretty inspiring precedents. Going solo, pushing through fatigue in extreme situations has saved lives and changed the course of history. But the belief that in imitating this noble behaviour is necessary to get ahead in normal life <coughs> oh. <coughs> excuse me <coughs> maybe this is an example of me trying to do too much I haven't done much today but it's clearly enough belief that Im imitating this noble behaviour is necessary to get ahead in normal life or survive another day at the office is not remotely courageous, it's actually kind of stupid. <coughs> I think I have to stop <coughs> reading. But I don't want to. But there's like, God, there's like 30 more pages. Okay, that's part one. I have to go cough now. So this is um, part two, and I think we're at... Our admiration of heroic individual endeavour is based on some pretty inspiring precedents. Going solo and pushing through fatigue in extreme situations has saved lives and changed the course of history. And the picture is one of the... Gosh, I can't remember the name of those dogs. They carry all the little barrel around their necks. It's got icicles and it's in it's probably at the top of some mountain range. 
saving a human in the barrel. They used to carry whiskey in there, I think, wasn't it? Or something. Okay. But the belief that imitating this noble behaviour is necessary to get ahead in a normal life or survive another day at the office is not remotely courageous. It's actually kind of stupid. There's a sheep. There's a sheeple. There's a sheep in the snow pretending to be all over it. Even if such ruthless focus gets you across the finish line first, you won't be able to enjoy the moment if there's no one to reflect your joy or celebrate with you. A world without hugs is not a place you want to be. There's a poor little baby brown bear with his arms outstretched and his eyes looking up and just wants a cuddle. There are so there are many so-called successful people in this sad situation. They have everything they've ever wanted, yet somehow it's not nearly enough. Sort of dogs. There's like a chihuahua sitting on top of a giant bone. <laughs> oh, I'll have to show this to you one day. And strange, unfillable emptiness develops deep inside their heart. Oh, this is like a sad pelican. Personal lives may appear fine to onlookers, but they suffer badly. What once were fulfilling relationships become artificial routines. Real passion fled the scene long ago. It's such a shame. There's like puppies and baby monkeys and things. I'm not sure. Lots of energy in these next two pictures. We've got roars. Roaring gorilla and a roaring brown bear. The only way to avoid this situation is to say no to the hundreds of requests and demands that are more than you can handle or, frankly, aren't worth a generous slice of the one lifetime that you have been given. Most people just can't do this. As soon as someone asks for a favour, they automatically say yes. They think it's a sign of strength and affection to respond with a confident, sure, no problem. <coughs> In fact, it's really a sign of weakness that will ultimately damage their friendships. There's a sad brown bear. He's really not very happy. His head's hanging right down. You can see the palms of his, soles of his feet. Um, big sucking. They're only setting themselves up to let someone down, and conversely, they'll eventually resent their friends for burdening them in the first place. Both parties soon start to question the foundations of the relationship. So when someone special turns up with a request or an opportunity they think is perfect for you, and you get that sinking feeling as you prepare to agree to whatever they want. Pause, and slowly fill your lungs with heartfelt honesty. Then say, Hey, you matter to me, and I want to do this thing, the right thing. But if I take this on, I'll have to sacrifice something else. So please tell me, how important is this, really? Like, really, how important is this? Take some time to consider the ramifications of your various options. Don't be rushed into anything, and if you don't feel good about it, be prepared to communicate this with gentle clarity. There's a big papa gorilla, he's got his pouting lip and his hand on there, and he's considering the ramifications of his various options. He's putting a lot of thought into it in his brow as well. To a close friend you might say, I'm so sorry, I feel terrible, but 
I'm just too busy to do this justice, so for now I'll have to say no. For people who just don't appreciate your time, you may need something a little stronger, such as, look, I'm already so overcommitted that I couldn't take this on without growing four more arms, a third leg, a second head, and to be honest, I've got enough fashion challenges as it is. <laughs> There's another hippopotamus is roaring loudly there. So I've got things to say and fashion challenges. Finally, for cereal pests, there is a foolproof cavalcade of no's, which goes something like this. No, 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 thank you very much. Have a nice day. Brackets. This is particularly effective when delivered in a classical operatic style. No, 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 thank you very much. Have a nice day. The bottom line is that people who do too much end up doing too little of what really matters. They spend their lives buzzing from one tiring and trivial task to another, instead of living their dreams. It's a contemplative monkey face and a flying beetle. It all comes down to priorities, which sounds complicated, but really it isn't. Uh, I don't know the names of all these different... I'm calling them all monkeys, which I'm in that same context calling myself a monkey. Because whatever that word is that my sick, foggy, snotty brain can't think of. Uh, primates. Primates. Anyway, it's another primate. It's uh, got lighter fur, furry, fluffy... Uh, it's concentrating on a Rubik's Cube, anyway. It's got a puzzled look on its face. Life priorities are basic as understanding that if you use up all your precious time and creative energy doing one thing, you won't have much left for anything else. The bug picture, there's like... that if you use up all your precious time and creative energy doing one thing, so there's... There's a chicken with, looks like one egg under it, and there's another box next to it with a chicken with like 50 eggs under it. And then the no energy left for anything else is a polar bear who's kind of like he's slid face down and he's dragged himself, like he's on his chin onto his belly and his arms are backwards. And his bum's up in the air and he's just done. He's like, he's having a little snooze. Obviously, then, it makes sense to focus your time and energy on those things that really make you feel ecstatic, or at least happy to be alive. There's a buzzing bee, like, tendrils or tentacles, or maybe it's even a beetle under an insect with crazy-looking hairdo, and arms and legs everywhere, like, whee! Stoked. Don't take someone else's word for that, for what those things should be. Follow your heart to the source of what, which of that which really refreshes your soul and drink deeply from it. There's a little squirrel with its head up to a tap sucking the water out of there. If you do this, your world will become a lot bigger and your problems will become significantly smaller. It's a giant sized dog and a tiny little dog. And you'll finally be able to lighten up. There's a sheep that's been shorn and all the other sheep are muddy and manky. Take a load off without feeling guilty or anxious. There's an elephant there. He's kind of hopped off the chair, which I'm pretty sure if he sat down he'd break it. But he's not guilty nor anxious. Get a load off, Mary.
take some time to appreciate the inner beauty and purpose that is often forgotten in the rush hour frenzy. Watch the stress lines fade. And enjoy the kind and peaceful sleep that you haven't experienced in a very long time. It's like a baby being held by its mama. Pretty soon you'll feel a tingle from your nose to your toes as you start to revive. There's a dog laying on the ground and you can see that it's just about to jump up and get the zoomies. It's had a big long rest and it's excited now. Whee! And there's a penguin. It's like it's jumping for joy about to dive into the icy depths. And when you spring back into your step, launch yourself into all the things you've been putting off for all the wrong reasons. Rediscover the simple pleasures you have been too busy to, or too self-absorbed to enjoy. There's dogs everywhere and they're jumping out of bushes and looking a bit crazy and excited. Start making room in your life for a puppy. Yeah, everyone needs a dog. So there's two uh, gorillas, perhaps primates. Each got a dog. It's a bit cute. Learn to navigate by the stars. There's a brown bear gazing up to the sky. Revive the lost art of conversation. A couple of gorillas having a big chat, big smiles in their faces. They look really chilled. Practice your kissing. There's two goldfishes with their lips sucker-lipped up together. And bathe in the innocent bliss of daydreams. And we have a brown bear again. He's kind of on top of a dead tree stump log kind of with his two hands on the end of it and his chin resting on that and his legs straddled over it just really chilling in the sun all these pictures are black and white as well um, just choose to do the things that make you the sort of person you really want to hang out with it's a pleasant surprise for most people to discover that everything tastes better your friends are more fun there's a guinea pig in a teapot and the cat is happy about that and there's a couple other little grilleries in cake. they got cake mix. The sky is bluer. Happy brown bear scratching on a tree and looking at the sky. And the ones you love are even more beautiful. And there's some polar bears gazing into each other's eyes. And when you feel great about yourself, you can just say no with polite, unshakable conviction to anything or anyone. <coughs> anything or anyone that would ultimately take away from all that you are but still maintain your compassion and understanding for those who genuinely need your strength and friendship there's a tiny little mouse and a cute little dog looks like an old dog a bit like Kelpie cross something with a little white nose then you can look out upon the universe of wonders waiting to be discovered and enjoyed by you and those nearest, dearest to your heart. A butterfly on a windowsill ready to take flight. I'm going to say those senses again. Still maintain your compassion and understanding for those who genuinely need your strength and friendship. Then you can look out upon the universe of wonders waiting to be discovered and enjoyed by you and those dearest to your heart and say yes 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 and we have like a cute little sheep and it's got like a dandelion flower in its mouth and it's just chilling and happy because it's had a rest and it didn't do too many things
So that's the book. The Book for People Who Do Too Much by Bradley Trevor Grieve. And, uh... It says on the back, Hard work never killed anybody, or so this masochistic maxim would have us believe. But the book for, book for people who do too much, BTG, wants us to know that enough's enough, to remind us in a hilarious and excruci excruciatingly perceptive way that actually hard work has killed a whole bunch of people and has also caused premature aging, unsightly baldness and explosive ingestion, indigestion. And flus and sicknesses and things, perhaps. This book is an antidote for those who burn the candle at both ends and then don't have enough left to really appreciate all life has to offer. The book for people who do too much is a timely reminder to slow down, recapture your best self and enjoy the company of those most precious to you. Very interesting that I've pulled that off the bookshelf because I bought this book. Maybe my dad even gave it to me. Well, possibly I bought it for him and came back to me when he passed away. Anyway, since this book in my hands, I did become very busy, did way too much, crashed and burnt, and all the things. But uh, the current sickness you got to just rest, say no to everything, so that you can say yes. 